Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that remembers the Stars won that game in overtime. What's the big deal? I want to wish a very happy Stefaniversary to Mark and to Trent. we got a full line tonight. How's it going, guys? It's great. It's a new year, isn't it? It, it must be. Is, Dallas is about to play another thing? game. I'm excited for the season. The Cowboys? I thought their season was about over. <laughs> no, they'll get at oh, least hockey. a playoff game. Yeah, yeah, right. That other sport in Dallas. The other Dallas. The other team. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to get a hockey game. Um, it's, it's kind of intense, kind of amazing. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the COVID situation because we have to. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about goals and where to find them. And we're probably going to fight about goaltenders. It seems pretty, uh, pretty exciting based on the pre-call. But before we get into any of that, Mark, of course, you and I are old news. I uh, want to welcome Trent to his, I believe, first DVD podcast. How's it going, Trent? It's going pretty well. Happy to be here. Um, I myself am taking myself off of the COVID protocol here soon. Um, so the last couple of days have been a little rough, but we're doing well. Happy to be here. Nice. Forge ahead, right? That's what we got to we gotta keep it going. If uh, they can being. do it, I can do it. That's, that's Taylor's you- policy. If we're asymptomatic, we're required to produce content. That's, uh, that's the DVD <laughs> way. Well, I'm just waiting for him to justify those comments about bringing Blake Como back. Well, the weird thing is he Hold said he wanted now. to bring him back as a goaltender. Oh, yeah. No, I just I just said that anybody who proves themselves in the AHL should get a chance. And Blake <laughs> Como is not accepted from that. So, Well, he hasn't had a chance to play yet. Yes, yeah, they've been they've been booked as well, which is uh, unfortunately what stagger into back. He's, he's he's poised. I guess I guess it is <laughs> fair to say that I don't believe the Texas Stars have lost a single game in which Blake Como has factored in. Correct. Mm. See, those are Rick bonus stats. <laughs> that's uh, a <laughs> that's that's a hundred hockey men. They know what's going on. They don't need those hashtag fancy stats like games played or minutes on the ice. That but, would be zero and zero. But okay, yeah, let's go. You know, but but believe it or not, this isn't going to be a Como cast. But uh, we'll go ahead and wade into actually relative to the Dallas Stars. We we start today's podcast with I mean, the obvious good news is that, hey, they're going to play another hockey game. That's that's a positive. We didn't we didn't know when we'd see again. But but with um, I believe Jamie Ben and a couple of other folks leaving the covid protocol yesterday, uh, Dallas is officially clear for the moment. Um, nobody is nobody's waylaid. They should have. I, I think it's, uh, gosh, was it um, Peterson? Somebody has an upper body injury that they're still kind of nursing their way through. But for the most part, the team is fully healthy, um, ready for tomorrow's game. That's good news, right, Mark? Well, I would say that Dallas has probably played this as well as any team has because they they kind of all went into protocol at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so they came into protocol with a almost a fully healthy team won their last game, then all went out in one fell swoop. And now they're kind of coming back in one <laughs> fell swoop too. So as long as they have their skating legs, they really haven't had to go through this thing where they're they're kind of manufacturing lineups and using taxi squads or whatever in order to try and ice a competitive group. So I think we can fairly say that they must have had a party celebrating the last win, and that's where all this this went horribly wrong. I, I would say it was Tyler Sagan going roof. 
and and everybody took a deep breath, had a big party, and <laughs> and we were ready. <laughs> oh, that's that's certainly one theory. Trent, uh, two questions. First is, do you buy into the this is all Tyler Sagan scoring fault? And then the second is, the the actual question I want to ask is relative would you do you also see this as a positive that the team kind of took time off in mass or would you have rather have a game in the last 17 days yeah uh, i mean first off i want to thank the dallas stars for not having a game during the christmas and new year season so i wouldn't have to act like i was with family but actually watching hockey um so that was that's pleasant <laughs> saving uh, dallas then, stars saving relationships one by one yeah, of the time. no it's very helpful um but now that there's nothing else in the way. Might as well watch some hockey. Um, and I, I, I think Tyler Sagan has a lot to do with this um, because everybody knows he's not allowed to go on a run. Um, so the second he starts actually scoring goals, why not just put a 17-day pause in the mix? That's right. Shut it down. Um, yeah. And truth be told, um, I think there could be some benefits from taking this break and especially all doing it together, um, not having the slow in and out of players that we've seen some other teams have, but speaking anecdotally, the stars don't do too great coming off of breaks. What? Um, and that happens. All right. Um, just from anecdotally, uh, I just don't think they come off of breaks very well. They start seasons poorly. They came out of the COVID pause a couple years ago, badly for the first couple games. I mean, they didn't win a single one in the round robin. If you know, I don't, I don't recall serves. the round robin actually. I, I don't remember that it happened. So I'll just have to That's take it. That's good for you. That's great for you. <laughs> um, so, you know, we'll see. I don't know if it's gonna be a slow start, but it's also not like they were super thrilling going into the pause. So yeah. maybe a hard reset could be a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess before the pause, it was seven wins followed by five losses, followed by two wins, right? Am I, am I more or less on the track? Yeah, I mean, I remember yep. it being just a, a roller coaster. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I, doubling doubling on that a little bit, I do think it is an advantage having everybody. You know, you're you're not like you said, they're not going to be. We we've seen over the past couple of weeks, NHL teams try and ro- uh, launch these hybrid AHL plus rosters and play hockey. And we've seen a lot of crooked score lines and a lot of of crazy results that really, you know, I think Florida beat Tampa nine to three at one point. And we we've seen some roster churn really cause problems. So from the one side, I think I, I, it certainly makes a ton of sense that, Hey, this, this group will be the same group that was winning before they stopped. Mark question for you digging into some of the logistics. They're, they're playing a Florida team tomorrow that has had four games um, since the last time Dallas played, they played the 29th and 30th and then the first and the fourth. So um, Florida has not been paused. They've had players drifting in and out of the lineup, certainly. But um, where do you see the advantage lying in this specific to this game? What's what do you what do you see the breakdown? Well, I'm kind of going with Trent here. We we have a we we have a couple of games here, which fortunately for us, I think we probably will get off to a little bit of a slow start, just because 17 games is a is a long time without any real action, and Florida is, for whatever reason, just not a real good matchup for us. So I, I, I hate to say I have uh, not so great hopes for uh, for the Thursday night game. Um, I guess the the positive I see out there is that at least we're starting off with a couple games against the Eastern side of the uh, of the NHL, and so it's not really going to cost us a whole lot if we do get off to a slow start, um, which which could have been different. I mean, we we came in. Uh, 
when we went on protocol, we were looking at a whole bunch of central action going on at the same time. And uh, although we'd won the last two games, it, it had kind of looked pretty iffy going into there. So now we have a couple games that uh, that aren't double point in the standing and we can get our legs back under us and come through fairly healthy. I mean, that, that has to be the hope. So tell me a little bit more, Mark, and then we'll react to it. Why do you see the the Panthers as being such a, a bad, you know, they say styles make fights, right? What, what about the Panthers seems to give Dallas fits? I think we try and shut them down and they score anyways. And then we start playing behind and then then all hell breaks loose. Oh, now we're going to have to go bleep me again. But uh, yeah, they, they, they outscore us no matter what we do. And then we play from behind and then it gets worse. And I've watched and too many of these uh, over the last couple of years. And that's kind of the way it happens. To take it a step further, we, we do know the stars to become super defensive, even if they do grab the lead. And the Panthers thrive on that kind of just sustained zone time. And yep. if that's what we give them, then they're going to thrive on it. Yeah, it's it's, you know, just throwing one stat at you. If I were to tell you, um, you Flora's leading scorer, Jonathan Huberdu, is, is sitting at 42 points right now. And, you know, his contemporary on the Dallas Stars, Joe Pavelski, has 27. And that's a pretty to your point. Right. There is. Florida is one of those teams that if you just keep letting them attack, they become inexorable at some point and they they're, they're going to produce and they're going to, to win. And so Dallas's strategy of, of hoping to dart out to a lead and then turtle their way to the finish line is ill suited for a, a Florida team that is perfectly content to have the puck as long as you'll let them. It seems. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the other bit is, of this is, is you know, normally you would say at the very least Dallas could potentially enjoy an advantage in the net, but but just looking at, and I don't know who's going to get the start tomorrow necessarily, but Florida's had, it's it's been kind of a rotating collection. Nobody's, nobody's played well the entire season, but Bobrovsky has been, you know, he's at 921 right now. His last two games were were both north of what 935 and 959 in terms of save percentage. So right now, this doesn't exactly look like a Florida team that's going to give you a couple of freebies and let you coast through the end of the game. Yeah, and Bob kind of owns the stars going back. So uh, I don't have it sitting in front of me. But I'm, I, I recall it's a major double digits in wins and maybe one or two losses. So, uh, that, yeah. Not good. Yeah, I mean, right now, especially everybody owns the stars a little bit. Um, and it's it not to say that it's you know obviously it's not hopeless. Dallas is capable of playing to any level, it seems, but it does seem like a challenge where you have a stars team that seems to have its most amount of success playing a very structured style, coming out of a lengthy layoff, playing against a Florida team that seems to have its most success attacking having had a couple of games right during the break that Dallas has taken. So, you know, of, of all of the times for the stars tendency to start slowly, you know, they're you know, of course having, you know, listening to a sale, this watch Dallas do, do another Pavelski Robertson hints and, and score a goal in the first 20 seconds of the game. Right. But on paper, it does seem like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. We're, we're doing a great job of people being ready for hockey to come back right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am so I am so ready to 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 kind of watch The Bachelor now. <laughs> oh man! I mean, it, it's 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 
we're going to see, right? One of the things that kind of segueing a little bit, we're talking about goals and, and how Dallas has, has struggled in that regard, right? One of the things that could be an advantage of having a layoff at this point of the season, it's almost like the NHL's version of a bye week. And even though Dallas had won a couple of games heading into the pause, it's not like the team was firing on all cylinders. There are certainly some problems to solve. Foremost among those is outside of the Pavelski trio, who is going to score goals? And, you know, let's let's start with you, Trent. Scale of one to ten, what's your level of confidence that they've fixed something in the time that they've had off? Um, I mean, three. I know that's not the uh, the super happy let's go hockey answer some people wanted. But, I mean, the lineup has had not that many changes over the last couple of years, and it's been just more of the same. And the only real changes that we've seen have been kind of the introduction of Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski, who are actually the ones scoring. And it seems like everybody else is just – gone down and stayed down um so you know we'll see and i i think the rest of the team thrives on structure when it's available and with tomorrow being the first game off a big layoff um i think it's going to be a sloppy hectic chaotic game and that really only seems to suit the pavelski line well let, let's take a step back though because i think i mean one of the one of the things go back 17 days that we just seen here was was ben sagan and gurianov and and there was talk after that game that this was potentially a decent second line and so we've we've been three weeks without it but i i would argue that hey let's you know bonus is going to throw them out as a second line and and let's see if they can maintain the momentum that they had coming out of their last game. And it's certainly, you know, there's, there's something to be said for it, right? Jamie Ben since, since moving to more primarily center, he's definitely had flourishes with Dennis Gurionov where they've been productive as a pairing and he's been productive by himself. He's got a lengthy history with Tyler Sagan and, and it's, you know, it's one of those situations where looking down the lineup, why, why not try it? Right. Nothing else has really worked. Well, and I, I would argue that, you know, 17 days ago, that was probably the best all-around game that we've seen from Tyler Sagan so far mm-hmm. this year. It was a pretty great Yeah, and, and so and so there there is some hope there, and you hope that there's enough time given to that line to see if they can consolidate what they have. And then beyond that, you know, what, what I hope we're talking about a week from now is what are we calling this new Faxa raffle Glenn Denning line and get back to picking on an all defensive line that we absolutely know how to do after the last couple of years. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, it's, it's also one of those things, right? The, the benefits in a hockey lineup can often manifest and, or it can often grow because once you figure one line out, you sort of simplify the lines beneath that line. So obviously figuring out the Pavelski, you know, Pavelski trio makes it easier for you to at least assess what else you have, right? It's less to tinker with. And so if all of a sudden Dallas has a second line going, then that adds a certain amount of clarity to, okay, you're no longer having to worry about, you know, stretching Jacob Peterson into a top six role that he's maybe not not quite ready for, or hoping that Radulov has gas in the tank on that given night, or, you know, stretching, you know, Radic Foxa in a role he really can't. You're not having to, to do something with caveats. If you can get a second line going, you can just, you, you've got the pieces that make sense for the rest of the rest of the unit. Right. And yeah, there's no so. reason not to not to look and say that even as a third line, you know, Peterson, Radulov and Kivaranta has potential. 
and uh, you know you have a you have a couple guys who really know how to move the puck and and have some pretty good hockey instincts and so i you know if you can roll with that as the top nine and then figure out that you don't need to give uh fox's line 18 minutes a game i think that's Ugh. okay I mean, maybe right. that's why i'm not so uh, optimistic i see i i think they still will get that time there is a fixation for this coaching staff on the the defensive side of things right they 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 play a style that let's just say creates tough minutes and then they use the tough minutes that they're creating for themselves to justify line deployments that only make those tough minutes tougher Right. But I, I think that maybe segues into our conversation about the defense here, which which I think is appropriate. Yeah, I mean, let's let's do it, because I think you're right. If we're talking secondary scoring, it, it is easy to fix it on forwards as an answer to that. But in theory, with Ryan Suter and Miro Haskinen and John Klingberg, right, and even Thomas Harley when he when he pops up from here or there. But this is a Dallas team that should be generating offense from the back line. Okay, I'm biting my tongue. Oh um, no, I'm sorry. I thought you were. I thought you were going to say something there. <laughs> no, no, I, I was. Uh, I, I was waiting for Trent to jump in, but uh, I was trying to put it on a tee. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, but yeah, I mean, we we should be. Um, which I, I I don't know if that's. It's kind of weird because I I blame not blame, but I, I wonder if it's more of a concern about the players themselves on the offensive side of the rink, but on the defensive side, I. I I see super talented offensive defensemen in Haskinen and Klingberg, and there's something to be said for some of the other guys as well. But I feel like they're just not being deployed in a way that gives them liberty to do the things that they want to do. We saw Kale McCarr's goal from, was it last night in overtime? The one that's oh my taking God. Twitter by yep, storm. Incredible. Phenomenal yep. goal. And I, I do believe that Miro Haskinen is every bit of that talent, but we just don't see him take those kind of moves. He, he seems at fall towards the safer play and not really activate himself as much on offense. And I question whether that's a, a coaching decision more than him not being able to do stuff. Mark, what's your take? Yeah, I, I think right now we've, we've seen Haskinen and, and Lindell play together. And I think that's actually worked fairly well. Um, we've had a little time for Suter and, and Klingberg to come together. And maybe that hasn't worked out as well as, uh, as some people have hoped. I mean, the thing that I really would love to see, and this, this of course, assumes that Harley's going to find a way into the lineup, is if we can find a way to put Haskinen and Harley together on a line, I think I, I think it passes both the eye test and, and the back-end fancy stats uh, look. That's just a very dynamic group where they both play off each other's strengths and and, and you know, it, with Dallas, we kind of say, okay, yeah, it's going to play off each other's strengths, and and one, there's a little defense and a little offense. That pairing there, I think, has the opportunity to play off each other's strengths by being able to take the play up the ice and create offense, and that's what this team needs. Yeah, this team just seems like locked into the concept of, you know, and, and maybe we don't want to refight the Essel and Dell wars at this particular moment, right? But they they always stick that guy with with John Klingberg or Miro Haskin. It's sort of you you know you're graduating up the Dallas Stars lineup when you've got to carry us up and down the ice for sixty minutes. <laughs> well, and to tell you the truth, I mean they've tried it and and it's actually looked pretty good. Uh, Lindell and Hackenbaugh have have been pretty solid together. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think for the most part, Hagapa has been a, a good addition as well. I think the on paper Dallas's defensive unit should be. You know, we're talking about how. You know, we're talking about how difficult it is to find the right fits and and put the pieces in the right spot amongst the forwards. But Dallas's defense, in theory, should be plug and play, right? Yeah, is that there? There's just so much talent there that uh, really, how you mess it up, other than putting a collar on them and telling them that they can't activate. Activate, and it's that you know that that prioritization of you know, get the puck out of the neutral zone and then figure it out versus necessarily trying to make a play. And you have John Klingberg and you have Miro Haskin. You've got a couple of guys that can progress the puck, but this team seems to make it difficult for themselves to get out of the defensive zone with anything assembly, you know, resembling an offensive posture sometimes. And I think it's one of those, it's it's hard to unravel. Is it because the forward lines are are a mishmash and aren't kind of offensive enough? Is it because the system is is dampening the defense and and kind of re- removing some of their more creative options? Is it you know both none right? But something seems to get this team much more focused on let's just chunk it forward. Then eventually we'll dump it. Then we'll try and dig it out versus trying to make actual plays and, and actual progression. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I have one particular thing that just drives me nuts, and I, I think it all boils down to trust. But this Stars team seems to do so much better when you have uh, defenders pinching from the point, and I think that they're probably being told that they shouldn't do that unless they know for a fact that there's a there's a forward back, and so there's a little hesitation to do it, and I, I think they just need to get to the point where. The four, there, there's going to be a third forward who's not going to get caught up ice and, and we're pinching from the point and maintaining offensive zone presence. And, and if that's not going to work, this team's not going to work. Yeah, I, I want to feed off of that. Um, I, this is going to be a weird thing to say as a fan. I just want this team to start making some mistakes in favor yep. of offensive hockey. I, it, it is a constantly depressing thing to watch where there is a, a two options and one of them is the defensive and the other one is the offensive and maybe the offensive one will work. Maybe it won't. It just never, ever, ever take the offensive option. Um, and I, again, maybe that's top down, maybe that's within the locker room or individual player decisions, but I haven't, I've seen very few bad decisions that where the player was making the offensive choice. Yeah. And I think as well, it's, it's, to me, I'm glad you said it because that's where I was headed. I think it's a relic of this team's history and that this so much of this star's identity for really the the Ben Sagan era has been a team with one dominant line and a bunch of guh, right? And so it, it has been the the most effective styles, the the best this team has ever looked is when they are limiting the number of chances and relying on their skill to convert at a, a higher pace, right? The the Dallas Stars of old, instead of having 20 chances a game, we're going to make sure there are only five because if there's just five chances, the, you know, Ben Spezza Sagan or Ben Spezza or Ben Sagan Radulov, whatever the go line is, right? We'll get three of those five chances and score on two of them and then we'll win. And I feel like that's still the DNA of this team. And as good as the, the Pavelski unit has been, I, I don't know that from a skill perspective, I, I don't think they're good enough to consistently win in a style that minimizes the number of chances. So Trent, to your point, I think that that they they need to open it up a little bit 
and trust that you know we've just finished gushing about the defense the goaltending is very good too like this this is a team that can withstand a little bit of chaos and i think the forwards need the chaos because they don't necessarily have the talent to to produce without it no i totally agree um i i want to see hectic hockey um not not sloppy hockey but hectic hockey where there's more ups and downs and you're you're putting a little bit more faith in the goaltenders um, but also you're getting more chances on the offensive side of the rink. So, I mean, I, I think you're spot on. I, I don't think we have, we definitely don't have multiple lines of talent that can just go out there with a, a fully stacked defense on the other side and can work the puck around, maintain possession and score a goal with consistency. So we got to rely on something else and get them a little bit more off guard or stack the numbers in our favor with odd men rushes. Well, and even if the, you know, you can Part of what makes me think Dallas doesn't even have that one dominant line of oldest, and I'm not saying Hintz hasn't, you know, Hintz's unit hasn't been great, but if they had a line that was good enough to supersede, to, to transcend all of that, right, they wouldn't be four, nine, and one on the road, right? It is a, a testament to the fact that mm-hmm. when this team goes system versus system and has to, to kind of fight through it on the road, they, they consistently fail. So that, that to me says that it's more of a, of a system and combination issue because the, you know, you can't, if you win at home, you know, having such a, a, an extreme split, they're 11, three and one at home, right? That tells me that when this team can, you know, get talent in the right spot, the talent can transcend, but when they, they can't, right. They, they don't, that makes a ton of sense. (laughs) <laughs> what well, does and I, I think uh, you know David David put together a real good article about a month ago on exactly that, and and I think it's spot on. Is you know, until this team can can take their system on the road and win consistent consistently, it's a borderline playoff team. And if they can do it, I think there's talent, there's experience, there's enough to make a pretty deep run once we you know, if if and when we make playoff hockey. But if they can't come up with a way to win on the road. That just tells you that there are too many holes to to make this team ultimately successful. Yeah, and let's. And I want to touch on the goaltending, and then we'll talk a little bit about that playoff race. So, you know, one last call for hot takes on the offense. Trent Mark, are we cool to move on to the goalies? Let's do goalies. So this is I've, this uh, is where I'll, I'll add. Uh, yeah, please. I bumped up my optimism rating to a five-ish on the Ben Sagan line, and still at a three for the. The other six. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, see, so, see, see, right here, right here. I'm, I'm making everybody more positive. You're Once shilling. Again, I'm <laughs> you're doing it. You're shilling. I'm shilling with the best out. of them. I'm gonna get an NHL.com job one of these days just because of this. <laughs> oh man, you just have to write that. Another great, another great segue. You just have to write a story alluding to Ben Bishop being healthy, and you're, you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the getting behind the curtain a little bit, part of what we joked about in the intro is we had a pretty, we, we wanted to talk about the goaltending because here we are, you know, exiting the pause, entering what is really sort of the second half of not, not quite the second half. We still have a little ways to go, but entering this, this next phase of the Dallas season. And it seems like the, the situation in the crease has, has long um, resolved itself. There was an interesting quote. And in Saad's, one of Saad's articles, I believe from this morning, excellent work on The Athletic. It's definitely worth a subscription and a read if you're a Stars fan. He's great. But talking about the perception of 
you know, we'll, we'll just start with the general question. Um, Trent, I'm going to put you on the spot and make you go first. Uh, was it a good thing for this team to start Jake Ottinger in the A this season? Um, I say no, with the caveat of it being simply because I don't think we needed to bring in another goaltender to send him down. I thought he had proven himself. I think we could have, what is it, Holpies hit, $2 million? Um, I think we could have $2 million sitting in the cap and just have have Otter and Hudobin as the NHL tandem again. Um, I don't I don't think that was our problem last year. Um, I think Otter's proven himself that he can he can handle it. Uh, so strictly based on that two million dollar cap hit for Holtby, I I do think that was a mistake. Um, but I mean, as we've seen things play out, um, Hudobin is not himself, I guess anymore. Um, or at least not this season so far. So maybe having Holtby and Otter as a tandem isn't a totally bad thing, but I don't know. Having at the time what we thought is four viable goaltender options in the NHL, it's just, it still blows my mind that that was a thing that happened. Mark, what, what, what do you want to, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first here. Uh, I, I, first of all, I, I think, <laughs> I'm not going to let you up. It's it's a it's a nice little uh, nice little discussion here, and and I think kind of gives you a view into how Jim Nill and the organization look at things. I, I think what they 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 had concerns that they didn't have enough, and something could go wrong and leave them with an absolute disaster on their hands. And so the Holpe signing was was just a way of covering their bases. And, you know, as we've seen it work out, I think it's turned out probably as well as the organization could have uh, have expected. Certainly, you know, the organization would have loved to have had Hudobin, Holtby and Ottinger all performing at a very top level uh, with Bishop uh, ready to come back. That, that's obviously yeah, I was not happening. Say, Bishop, dream Bishop's gone. This- Honestly, the dream scenario for this team, in my opinion, is probably, you know, the dream scenario is Bishop coming back as, as peak Bishop. But if we assume, you know, that was impossible, it's it's Hudobin going on a bender for a month, turning himself into a trade asset and then flipping him to run with Hudobin or with a Holtby and Ottinger moving forward. Right. But I mean, here, what what we've seen, we had a very pleasant surprise with Holtby. And, and I think it was somewhat predictable just because he's he was moving into a system that emphasized defense and he wasn't in that uh, that complete mishmash that he have had up in Vancouver but now what we have is Hudobin Hudobin down in in the AHL and he's trying to get some value back and I watched the two games in Cedar Park he was a little shaky at the first the first part of the first period down there but Beyond that, he looked really good. Hudobin's going to show his value down down with the Texas Stars. And the big issue with him is that extra year on the contract. And yeah. we 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 kind of know how that got there. And, and some of it has to do with loyalty after all of the hard work that he did in, in that playoff run. So I understand why that's there. And they needed to have that in order to keep him around. And it was probably worth keeping him around. Um, but now we're, we're, we're dealing with the consequences and the situation in net for Dallas, I think is, is at, at least above average. And, and that's what this team needs. And the fact of the matter is it probably wouldn't be above average if we didn't have Holtby in the, in the mix. 
Yeah, and just to to pile on, and, and I, I promise I don't mean that necessarily, literally, not not taking any runs at you either, Trent. But I will say that there was enough in terms of inconsistency last season in in both Hudobin and to some degree Ottinger's play that I think that first off, and this is hindsight twenty twenty, I think that the stars knew throughout that at no point was Ben Bishop going to be um, going to come back. Right. I think that, that we talked about this in the last podcast with Taylor. I think that a lot of that had to do with the respect that this organization had and um, the respect that they had giving him sort of the opportunity to come back was a big thing, but I don't think that there was any internal to the organization, any serious consideration that he would be a player for them this year. And so I think that left them with, you know, Hudobin, who had struggled and was coming off an injury and was coming off of COVID. And then Ottinger, who was young and, you know, goaltending being what it is, you don't necessarily want to stick your stick your flag there. So I think, in my opinion, Holtby was a very reasonable bet for coverage, and it's worked out just about as well as it possibly could. Yeah, I mean, very fair. Um, I It was one of those moves that when it came across in the first day of free agency, you, I was dumbfounded. And I, I, that probably lingers a little bit in my decision-making here. Just going, well, that's a, a silly move, and I'll probably never get off of that it's a silly move. But it has worked out quite well, given what it is. Um, I still just think it's it's crazy that now who will probably get a large portion of the playing time and not necessarily in a backup role started the in the AHL. And that's kind of, I guess, where I where your, the question you phrased was is what I – what I'm going with, like I think it's bananas that Ottinger was at the beginning of the season locked in the AHL until something went wrong. Yeah, and and this is one you know I wasn't at training camp, obviously didn't get a chance to see it. I I still I can see your perspective, and I would not have hated Ottinger being you know the number two goalie coming out of of training camp, but at the very least, I can see the logic in having him get, cause he started what the first seven games in Cedar park and was fantastic. So I, I can see, I, you can talk me into being more valuable, letting him play each and every game while figuring out what you had in Holtby and Hudobin in the NHL and then making a decision, kind of letting the decision come to you. I don't think that was necessarily the most insane. It was, it was probably a little more conservative, but then you get into Capology and Holtby was a one-year deal for a little bit of money. And worst case, you turf him in the, you know, the sort of like they did with Hudobin. So there just wasn't a lot of risk there. I, I find it difficult to get too bent out of shape out of how we got to where we are because the end result is Dallas has, um, you know, they, they've got two good goalies in a league where that seems to be a requirement. Well, and keep in mind also that going into this year organizationally, we're looking at this as kind of the last hurrah, the last push for this senior leadership group. And the last thing you want to do is have a senior leadership group give it their all and absolutely dominate on the ice and you don't have uh, a viable tandem backing them up. And and I think Mm -hmm. organizationally, they saw that as a possibility. And so they wanted to mitigate that risk. There's a joke about Kari Lettinen entering the chat, but um, yes, he's not exactly. actually entering no. the chat. <laughs> yep, no, that, that, my my mind was already there. 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 you know. So I, I I do think though, Trent, to your point, the way that things have worked out, there is a part of me that looks at it, shrugs, and says they couldn't have just let Ottinger do what he's doing in the NHL to start. Um, so I think yeah, I mean, it's, we it's could fair, have traded it open in the off season. I feel like his yeah. value was higher then. And I mean, I mean, that's revisionist. I'm not. I would have been frustrated had we done that. But I guess if you're seeing signs of shakiness, and we're going to pull in a veteran presence anyway, somebody that you were a little bit more confident in. Um, I feel I feel like Kudobin's value was towards its peak. Um, I mean, definitely at its peak after the the Stanley Cup final run. But I, yeah, I just was- think Hudobin was one of those unique situations. I don't think he had the value given his age, given the nature of the bubble, given all of the extra stuff. I don't think he ever had the value to another team that he had to the Dallas Stars. I think that was just a very peculiar piece. Yeah. 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 But I I mean, what coming out of training camp, what you really ended up having was, was that Hudobin and and Hopi were the guys who were actually showing it on the ice and, and and just based on results, Ottinger was the number three goaltender. And, and that's not, that's not really a long-term saying, but I think we probably kept the two best performers up at the NHL level and Ottinger went down to, to Cedar Park, proved himself. We had we have some some faltering up at the NHL level, and so we ended up where we want where we we probably were going to end up eventually, anyways. But uh, we did it in a safe manner, and you know, hope you two million dollars on a one year deal. That's that's pretty good value for your money. Looks fantastic right about now. Yep, it does. But. Uh, what doesn't look as fantastic, and we'll, we'll close that. I do want to talk a little bit about the standings and about the situation Dallas kind of steps into tomorrow. As of the time, as of when we're recording, they're they're sitting at 13th in the conference. Um, they've played 29 games, so now they have fallen behind in terms of game games played. Most of the most of the conference is between three and five games ahead of Dallas in terms of games played and Dallas sits, let's see, as we record, there's six points behind Edmonton for that final playoff spot. So it's not, this isn't, you know, this isn't, isn't give up and, and plan your summer vacation time quite yet, but it's, it's certainly not a, a super rosy picture. And so I, I just want to talk very, very briefly, you know, not very briefly, but start off with a, a briefer question. What are your gut, you know, where do you see, is this a playoff team right now? And we'll start with you, Mark, because I picked on Trent a couple of times in a row. I would say yes. Um, and the question is whether they're a very weak playoff team that gets exposed in a first round and just goes down hard, or whether they're a team that can go out and and make a run. Um, I think Edmonton's somewhat imploding if you're following the situation up there. You know, the, the, the real surprise there, I think, is the Ducks. But, you know, the Central's kind of where they, we expected the Central to be. The The Pacific is not uh, fabulous. Uh, so, yeah, Dallas, you know, Dallas, as long as they uh, don't give up uh, all of their stupid one-point games, they're going to be there, just like they would have been last year if they wouldn't have lost everything that went to overtime. <laughs> what about you, Trent? What's your, what's your take? Um, I'm as as luck would have it a little bit more pessimistic, um, but I think it's gonna be a super close race. The good news is I, I think this team is built to win in the playoffs. 
but I think it's going to be a tough climb to get there. Um, I think I think the way they do play is going to be a tough out over the course of four to seven games. But when teams can kind of drop in and play Dallas once, mark up against the Pavelski line once for a really good game, and then buzz out of town, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't been given a reason to think it's going to be any different than the first couple games of the season. Or in the first you know, half or however far we're in. Yeah, I, I get that. And the thing that worries me, because I, I tend to be on the pessimism side too, the thing that worries me is it's less about the number of points. That's a pretty manageable gap. And it's more that at this point, Dallas would need to leapfrog one, two, three, four, five teams to be in the playoffs. And then even compounding it, right? So looking at the teams that matter, right? Immediately ahead of Dallas is Vancouver. They're on an eight and one stretch. Um, San Jose has fallen off. They're four and six. Los Angeles, six and three. Winnipeg, six and three. Edmonton, we talked about, they're imploding. Um, you know, even inside the conference, right? Colorado is eight and one and has played as many games as Dallas. So you know, they're not, you know, St. Louis is seven, one and two. Um, Nashville's eight, one and one. So part of the problems that the stars have is that the teams ahead of them and yeah, the, the division heavy schedule in the back half of the season, you know, could be a blessing, but at some point they're going to have to outplay somebody. And right now, every, most of the teams ahead of them or not even most, but enough of the teams ahead of them are, are having fantastic stretches of hockey, which makes it, you know, it's, it's very difficult to catch a team that's gone eight, one and one over its last 10 games. You know, that's that's a tough thing to do. And now it's not just one team that's done that. You've you've potentially got to pass two or three or four teams that are doing that when you're just five and five. And it's one of those situations where does Dallas have another, you know, seven, you know, seven win run in them because they might need that just to get back into the conversation. Um, and, and that to me, it, it just it it just seems like a tall like they're they're gonna have to show a level of consistency that we just haven't seen a ton out of. They're gonna have to to jump on teams early to bury them, do to do all of the things that that Dallas doesn't always do. And you know how do you how do you put that many together when you when you're you know that far below 500 on the road? Yeah, I mean I, I definitely think we have another eight win run in us, but it'll probably be surrounded by two four game losing streaks. <laughs> And that's, you know, and if that's the assumption, then the problem, the TLDR of all of it is the problem is that Dallas has, has already nudged themselves into territory very much like last season where they do have some advantages, right? Last season it was games in hand, but there was also some inherent weakness in that we spent the entire back half of last season waiting for Nashville's, you know, kind of glorious run to taper off. So Dallas would have a chance to catch them. And and guess what? It, it never did. And Dallas never did get hot and Dallas missed the playoffs. Yeah. And certainly my, could happen my again. biggest concern is the, is the deja vu, right? Yeah. But uh, you know, there, there were also some stupid things last year. I mean, just, don't lose, don't lose all of your overtime games, and all of a sudden it's an entirely different story. So yeah, I think figures if they yeah. won half of their overtime games, they're comfortably in the playoffs. Yeah. So and and with the with the team that they have right now, there's no reason why they can't do that. I, you know, last year was an anomaly. Yep. And and so you know, is 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 UC Soros gonna 
put Nashville on his shoulders and, and do that? Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, there are challenges out there, but again, it's going to come down, I think, to one or two points one way or another. And the advantage that the Stars have is that almost all of their games so far have come outside of uh, outside of the division, outside of the conference. And, uh, and so they're going to be playing against teams that they're up against. And so they do have the opportunity to get back in by by winning and forcing losses. Yeah. And so it's kind of in their hands. And as long as it's in their hands, then I'll, I'll give them an even shake and, and say they that they got a pretty good shot. And let's, like let's end, I think let's end on optimism. And, and Trent, I'll, I'll kick it to you on this one to start, and we'll, we'll do a little round robin. So I'm, I'm forcing you to be optimistic, right? Let's what do What do you see, what attribute from the stars are you most confident will make that kind of difference heading down the stretch here? I think this is optimism. I think they're going to be desperate. I mean, it's, it's a level of desperation that I think is going to be circulating around the locker room with, with an aging veteran core and then all the way up to the front office, which is kind of on a tight leash right now. Um, from what I know, I mean, no, it's just nothing special. Um, I think the entire organization is going to be desperate for, a playoff berth, and then hopefully making some noise in the playoff. Um, and we have, because of that, aging veteran core, people who have been there, people who want to get farther in the playoffs than they have before. Um, so I think the leadership and I, I think the the sheer will, desire, and need to do it will probably be helpful. Mark, how about you? A couple things. Uh First off, I'll start on the back end. Uh, we have we have good goaltenders. Yep. Uh, if I remember right, we don't have a shutout yet this year. Um, we really haven't had a goaltender who's who's stood on their head for any extended period of time. And I think we have the talent to have that happen, not just once, but but multiple times. Also, I think that the only having two goals from the defense at five on five is is just something that's going to uh, revert to the mean. And I think we're going to get more scoring from the back end. So I think that there's enough things that have just been where, where things are uh, anomalies, not in Dallas's favor that, uh, that if we get a little, uh, if we get a little move back to kind of normal, that it, it puts Dallas in a pretty good spot. I like that. I like that. And I think building on on both of on, on what both of you said, I think for me it comes down to Dallas's problems this season. They're they're very straightforward. That doesn't mean that they're easy to solve, but like, you know, last year it was an, an insane schedule, uh, you know, injuries, illness, you know, uh, every, it was basically everything and a bunch of stuff the Stars couldn't fix. This season, it's can they find a second line that can score right and and can they they get some consistency on the road? And as far as as problems for a, a hockey coaching staff to address, those aren't exactly difficult ones. Sorry, those are those aren't exactly the, the the most difficult things to solve. So I think that one of the things that that if you're an optimist, that should really help the stars coming down the stretch is the clarity of purpose. Right? It is really really clear what this team needs to improve upon to be successful. Right? Nobody's guessing, and that can hopefully simplify the problem solving process because they're not they're not necessarily. If it's if it's a trade, if it's a promotion, if it's reshuffling lines or, or defensive pairings, right? 
it's all being done with a very specific purpose in mind versus trying to find that amorphous elusive well i guess they just need a spark right it's it's not one of those situations yeah well said <clears throat> So we'll see. We'll 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 close out for realsies this time. I, I want to get a prediction for each of you. Give me the score, and then just give me one other thing that that's going to happen tomorrow against the Panthers. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, a, that's a tough one. Se- seven four, Florida, and <laughs> good because Dallas is going to score four goals. <laughs> And so, and so we'll take that momentum into Pittsburgh. Uh, we're playing what Pittsburgh uh, on Saturday, and then yep. St. Louis on Sunday. So we'll take we'll take that goal ten, or that uh, that goal scoring momentum into the weekend, and we'll start turning it into wins. Um, I'll go three to two stars in an insanely sloppy, hectic, and chaotic game where goaltending just stands on its head. I don't know who's starting for the Stars tomorrow, but whoever that is. Just stands on their head. And let's say Tyler Sagan extends his goal scoring streak to two. Ooh, yeah. I love it's it. not gonna it's not gonna be off his butt or anything. He's gonna do it off his stick. You know, just right off the tape. There you go. <laughs> For me, I think I think five four. I'm gonna split the difference. I, I do think the stars get uh, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and say stars win. Call it five four. And I, I think that to me the the zany part of the prediction is that it's going to be one of those games where all of the goals are going to happen in the first half of the game and then it's going to be one it's going to be 5-4 heading into the third period and everybody's going to be really excited about an exciting third period and it's going to be watching paint dry. <laughs> you couldn't let me <laughs> let me be optimistic alone. I just, just you know, it, it reminds me of us watching the the Chelsea Liverpool um, game, and and I was talking to a couple of buddies about how exciting the first half was, and my immediate takeaway is, yeah, coaches are going to fix that at halftime. There's there's no way they're <laughs> going to let everybody have that much fun for 90 minutes, and I see that in a lot of ways at the stars. We're going to get one just banger of a period. It's going to be a lot of goals. We're going to get all excited and think, here we go, boys, and then the coaches are just going to mutually decide that everybody's had enough fun, fold up <laughs> shop, and and we're just going to dread the end of that game. Well, you know, we do have a back-to-back this weekend, so we got to save ourselves. <laughs> Back to, they say <laughs> they play two too. periods a night. They're yeah. fresh. <laughs> <laughs> and don't don't forget Texas Stars on on Friday night free AHL free AHL game. The Moose. Nice. Yep, the Moose. Well, thanks, guys. I'm glad you're feeling better, Trent. Um, KT, as always, thanks for making the magic mark. Uh, you shilled us into optimism sometimes somehow despite yourself, but I appreciate it. I know you guys are picking, you guys are picking wins and I'm picking losses and I'm the shill. I, you know, you got to evaluate the process that got us here. That's some recency bias. Yeah. I think you're trying to throw everybody off the shill scent by picking a loss. Could be, but it'll be interesting. Um, as always download, um, like us, you know, ask us questions. Just just let us know you're there because we care about each and every one of you, except for you, Todd. You suck. 